0: We will hear argument next in Lockhart versus United States. Mr. Wolfman.
1: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, Section 207 of the Social Security Act contains a broad ban on the attachment of Social Security benefits that may be overridden if, in doing so, Congress expressly refers to Section 207. Our basic position is that the effect of an express reference to Section 207 can go no further than the authority that is granted in the statute that includes the express reference. Therefore, here, the Debt Collection Act, the statute that contains that express reference, prohibits offsets to collect claims that have been outstanding for more than 10 years. Therefore, the Government lacks offset authority to collect Mr. Lockhart's older debts. The Debt Collections Act's 10-year bar on the right of the government to offset debt from governmental payments owing to debtors was enacted in 1982. But at that time, the government did not have authority to offset Social Security benefits at all. The government's claim that there's no 10-year bar here relies entirely on a provision of the higher education technical amendments that overrode statutes of limitations for collecting student debts. But that was passed in 1991, five years before, before the government had authority to offset Social Security benefits at all. That authority, as I've referred to, came only in 1996 in the Debt Collection Improvement Act, which did expressly refer to the Social Security Act's anti-attachment provision. But did
2: deep — just as an initial matter, are you sure that uh, uh, that one Congress can bind a future Congress that way? That Congress can pass a law that says, uh, you know, uh, in the future, no statute shall have X effect unless it says, and, and then it writes in a phrase that has to be said. Well, I- and then you have a future Congress that makes its intent entirely clear in a statute that does not use the magic words. I thought our case is held that. In such a situation, the, the will of the future Congress prevails, that, that, as long as it's clearly expressed.
1: I will say that that is something that we've considered. It's not briefed here, but I think the issue is not presented here, and here's why. Because what occurred in 1996 comported with the express reference requirement. The problem here is that so it's it said that they can offset Social Security benefits, but it is contained in a statute that includes the 10-year bar. So even if — The anti-attachment provision did not exclude the express reference provision. It's still whatever allowed the attachment has to be, in our view, coincident with the statute in which uh, the express reference It
0: didn't contain the bar at the time that they said you can collect it. And in the later statute, which said you now can collect out of Social Security. When they passed that, did it contain a 10-year bar? Yes, it did. I thought the Higher Education Act said as of what year did the Higher Education Act say uh, no statute of limitations applies to us.
1: That was 1991. Fine. In
0: 1991, it said no statute of limitations applies to us. Then in what year uh, uh, did the statute uh, uh, was passed, which said and you can uh, 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 collect uh, money out of Social Security payments for higher education.
1: That that occurred in 1996, but okay, why, why
0: isn't that the end of it? So the reason there was, no, there was no statute of limitations applying to the Social Security Act, and then in 1996 they say, "and now go get them." What you do about that?
1: Because uh, with with respect, that's not. What what Congress said in 1996, they They didn't say go get them. What they did is, as an amendment to the Debt Collection Act and Mm -hmm. the Debt Collection Improvement Act, Mm -hmm. they they inserted permission to go to offset Social Security benefits in a statute that has a 10-year bar. So
0: it It has a 10-year bar, but the earlier 1991 Act says that doesn't apply to us.
1: Yes, but but again, getting back, and I think this takes us back to Justice Scalia's question that the the there is a broad anti attachment provision there is an express reference requirement our view is that the that those requirements can go no the the abrogation of the uh, of the bar to offset social security benefits or to attach social security benefits in any way can go no further than the statute in which that abrogation occurs and This statute has a ten-year bar. So, if I can explain further. The the Debt Collection Improvement Act and the Debt uh, Collection Act before it has a ten-year bar. It's not merely a statute of limitations. It says that the government has no authority to offset after the ten-year period, after the claim has been outstanding for more than ten years. That's the statute that includes the abrogation uh, of, of the offset of Social Security
0: benefits. So in other words, you're saying that that provision of the later statute that says, go get him on Social Security, implicitly reads into it the 10-year bar that's in a different part of the statute.
1: Well, so w- it's
0: as if it said, go get him on Social Security under 407, which is gone now, but only for 10 years. Well, is that what your argument? I'm trying to. Th-
1: that is our argument. That is our argument. But I would only qualify. The only
0: it. problem is it doesn't say that.
1: No, I, I, I would disagree, Your Honor. I, I would say that, that my only quarrel with your question is that it, it's not implicit. It is explicit. The, the statute, the 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 Debt Collection Improvement Act, as the Debt Collection Act before it, contains a 10-year bar on the authority of the government to offset. This is not a mere statute of limitations defense that can be waived. This is a, a a a complete lack of authority to the in the government to offset. Yeah, are are, the are you saying
3: that this has a purpose other than barring stale uh, claims? Uh, it's simply designed to limit the offset provisions uh, in order uh, to allow other federal programs to proceed. I'm, I'm looking for some way. For you to describe E as being something other than a limitations.
1: Program. Well, uh, what, what it
3: says. Because I think that would help you.
1: Yes, and I, I think that that's exactly my point. What what E says is that this act does not apply, and I'm quoting now. This act does not apply when when the claim has been outstanding for more than ten years. That strikes us call it limitations if you want, but it strikes us as a very powerful one because it restricts the government's ability to bring such a case.
3: Well, if, if we call it limitations, you have a much harder case because of, of the uh, uh, 1991 Act.
1: Well, I, with, with with respect, I don't think that the actual uh, nomenclature matters that much, but I, I will distinguish it from what the law Normally calls a limitations period because a limitations period is one that is raised as an affirmative defense and may be waived. This this provision, where it says this act does not apply, well, does not well, apply. Can, can
3: you give me a, a reason for the government's uh, adopting E the ten year the ten year bar, other than for stale claims? Or? Oh,
1: I I I I I don't know that there is one, but but. My point, again, is simply that the government has no authority to proceed. So then we look, we look at that statute and we say, what did the, what did the uh, Congress do in 1996? What the Congress did in 1996 was amend that very statute by saying, within the confines of this statute, you may now offset. Right, but but, uh, I, I,
3: I understand that, but I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying if you could give me a, an explanation, a characterization, a, a, a description, a statement of purpose that's other than to borrow stale claims, I think you'd have a, a stronger case. But it seems to me just like a stale claim statute, so I go back and look for other limitations, period, and I find it in uh, 1091A. You
1: know, again, if... It is not — the purposes of, of the bar um, are not stated in any of the legislative materials. And we can assume that at least one of the principal purposes was to not allow the, the, um, the litigation uh, the contesting of stale claims or to give the, the individuals repose, which is a purpose of, of time. Call at any
0: purpose you want. But there's an earlier word in 1091A, just what Justice Kennedy said. The earlier word says limitations don't apply to the higher education debt. And so if this later statute, the words you're talking about, the words of 10 years, the words that limit when you can do it, if those words which are in subsection E are a limitation, then I guess the earlier statute says they don't apply to the higher education debt. And, and so I don't see how you get out of that. I mean, I, I mean, this is a rather harsh result. I understand why you'd like to get out of it, but I don't understand how we do get out
1: of it. Well, I, I think there, there, uh, there are uh, several answers, and if, if I might. First of all, if you, if you must characterize what, uh, and, and we are happy to do so, what is in the 1996 Act as either a time bar or a limitations period, this is clearly the former because this — because the limitations periods in the law are ones which have to be raised by affirmative defense. For instance, uh, the rules of, of, of civil procedure say limitations periods are raised by affirmative defense and the case law is unanimous that they can be waived. That is not what this provision does. This provision restricts the authority in the first instance for the government to bring the case. The second thing I would say, though, Your, uh, Your Honor, and, and I think it, it does not matter ultimately. That, that, that can be our principal submission here, and it is. But it does not matter, I think, ultimately, that the nomenclature doesn't matter because, again, because the, the Act restricts the authority of the government to bring a case that is beyond the 10-year period, and that is the statute that c- contains the express reference. That is.
3: Of course, part, part of the problem is that 1091A2, the notwithstanding clause, talks also specifically about offsets, which is what this is, I yeah,
1: think. No, I understand that, Your Honor. I mean, if, I understand if said that. said
3: no, no limitations, period, then, then I might. This specifically talks about an
1: offset. Well, that's right. And, and, and I, I don't think that, uh, that undercuts our argument at all, because after all, there's no question that prior to 1996 there was offset authority in the government to offset uh, — to collect debt against other types of uh, income other than Social Security. So I don't think that undercuts our argument at all. But let me — if I might go back to your question one more time because I think there's yet a third answer, which is which is the chronological answer that uh, made in our briefs, that, that in 1991 uh, the the Congress could not have had the the intent to get at Social Security benefits at all because, of course, there, and this point is conceded, the government had no authority whatsoever to offset Social Security benefits. Um, If I might, and let me go with
4: May I pursue that point for a second Mm -hmm. more? It seems to me that you would have a much stronger argument on that point if, in 1996, Uh, the, the act provided, uh, that suddenly Social Security benefits, uh, some Social Security benefits would be, would be subject to administrative offset, but only those when the government, uh, imposed when the government is trying to collect educational loans. We would then have what seems to, would seem to me to be a really head to head conflict between the two statutes. The trouble is that in 1996, the, the extension of the administrative set-off authority covered uh, Social Security benefits uh, to be, for which there would be a set-off for any purpose, not just education loans, for any purpose, so that, in fact, it is possible for us to read the 1996 Act as having an effect. Uh, there's a 10-year limit uh, generally. At the same time that we read the earlier, uh, uh, ed- I, f- I forget what the, the, the 91 amendment. The is, law, yes, uh, which which says with respect to to educational loan collections, uh, including by set-off, there's no limitation at all. So we can have both statutes without rendering either one of them nugatory, and isn't that the preferred way to read statutes?
1: Well, but uh, but I. I with, with all respect, I think our interpretation certainly does not render uh, HEDA nugatory because HEDA would, would still uh, override limitations periods for other forms of collection with respect to, to other types but of But res-
4: with respect to Social Security set-offs, of course it would.
1: Well, uh, no, um, I'm not sure I understand but that secur- question.
4: Social Security set-off, it would be, it would be, a, fl- it would be a flat head-to-head contradiction. Uh, uh, no no matter how you read it, on on Social Security set-offs or educational loans. Uh, And if that's the only thing that the 1996 Act covered, we would say, boy, there is just an absolute conflict here. We can't have both statutes. But, in fact, we can have both statutes most of the time. We read the 1996 10-year limitation as covering everything except set-offs against Social Security for educational loans. And with respect to the educational loans, uh, we we give respect to the uh, the earlier decision that there be no limitation at all. You just have a a weaker argument than you would have if the 1996 Act
1: only covered this case. Well, uh, that may be, but let me again, if I I might, uh, respond to that, uh, to this this point, because I think uh, it, it is true that, the proportion of times under our argument that the 10-year bar would apply would is greater under our position. But it's nevertheless true that HEDA still applies to many situations under our reading and the 10-year bar applies to somewhat more. But let me, I think there's another answer to, to, to your point, which is it, it still does not undercut our basic submission that, the the congress could not have formed this specific intent and it's very unlikely that t- the intent being to get to the government the, res- the result it seeks here And and, and the reason for that is, is they could not have focused on this problem because it wasn't for another five years that Social Security was even on the radar screen at all. And this brings me back, I think, to to Justice Breyer's initial uh, question.
2: May I ask this question? It's a very very interesting statutory construction case, I must say, by the way. But in 1996, when they — uh, and made uh, the offset available against Social Security payments. They didn't enact a 10-year statute limitations. They changed subsection, I think, B to D and said the 10-year provision is retained. And when the 10-year position was first put in, I mean, when the exception for student loans was made in 1991, you had a statute that had a 10-year period for everything except student loan recovery. And it seems to me that if you look at the 1996 statute as saying we're going to allow offsets against Social Security under the same scheme that was enacted in 1991 because we have just amended the 10-year provision to preserve it. They preserved the 10-year provision, but they seem to me to be preserving it in a statute that made this distinction between student loans and all other offsets. It, It isn't as though they enacted for the first time an authority to offset Social Security. And in that statute said, and, but by the way, there's a 10-year period of limitations here. Rather, well, they that, amended the 1991
1: Act. That, that is correct, and, and I think that, uh, but with the caveat, which I'll get to, but, but I, I think that is correct, but it is, a, re, it is a, a, a consequence of the situation that Congress found itself in in 1996. In other words, it already had a statute. The offset statute, which had a 10-year bar, and so but it
2: also had the exception for student loans, It, it was well, side by side with the rest of the 10-year bar. Uh,
1: I'm not sure what you mean. I'm not sure what you mean by the exception for sta- student loans. It was 1091A. Well, 1091 10-91 was in a different statutory provision in, in a different part of the code. But yes, what I'm saying is they. But it focused,
2: was in the 1991 statute,
1: right? It was in a 1991 statute that was a, a freestanding statute that dealt with St- social security benefits generally. Then what you had in, 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 in 1996 was a focus on offsets specifically and on Social Security specifically. And the only but the 91 of- Act mentions offsets specifically as well. Right, that's right. It, but it, it mentions a, a lot of uh, many means of, uh, of, of uh, a collection. That is correct. And — but but I think it's not quite fair to say that um, they merely reenacted the 10-year uh, the bar. We think that's sufficient for us to prevail. But you know, the Congress in 1996 did a, did a pretty comprehensive overall of, overhaul of the Debt Collection Act. It appears to have gone through every section. It strengthened some of the notice provisions. Um, it, 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 it focused specifically on Social Security and said that you can now um, uh, offset them by making the express reference. And then it turned to what had been subsection C, then became subsection E. It, it, it amended one of the paragraphs but retained the paragraph that uh, has the 10-year bar. So I think it's, it's fair to say that Congress looked at all the sections carefully.
2: Now, if, if you say that, let me just throw this thought out so you can mm-hmm. comment on it it seems to me that there is a reasonable basis for assuming congress might have thought that student loans should not have a 10 year bar if you're going to collect from social security because most social security payments won't accrue until many many years much more than 10 years after the student loan default
1: well that, the government certainly makes that submission in its brief, but as we note in our reply brief, the statistics uh, the government cites don't really back that up. I, I, but we, we do we do acknowledge. That with respect to Social Security retirement benefits, there will be uh, many people who are beyond beyond the 10-year bar. With respect to people who get other sorts of uh, Social Security benefits, that that's not clear at all. Actually, there are survivors no, but and there, there are uh, disabilities.
2: The retirement benefits are or, or, a larger number.
1: That is true. Yeah. But again, I don't think that th- there's no there's no suggestion uh, in. The problem, the ultimate problem with with that point for the government, Justice Stevens, is that it requires us to believe that Congress formed that intent in 1991, which is an impossibility because in 1991, Social Security benefits were, were just sort of off the table. They weren't on the radar screen at all. And that's the ultimate problem with the government's... Mr. Wolfman, uh,
3: are there provisions by regulation in the Department of Education for discharge of debts like this on a showing of total and permanent disability?
1: There, there are, Your Honor.
3: And your client doesn't qualify
1: or? Well, the record is completely silent on that question. I don't know the answer to that. He was certainly disabled. I will only point out that the standards for total and permanent disability under the Department of Education regs are much more stringent than those for Social Security because that only requires a 12-month period of disability. But I don't know the answer as to him. Um, I do want to get to, to one other point uh, before I, I, I sit down, and, and which is to address one of the government's arguments, is that to... To get around uh, the problem that the DCIA reenacted the 10-year bar, the government relies on the notwithstanding clause of the 1991 Education Act, arguing that it wipes away any time bar regardless of when the time bar was enacted and no matter what type of collections at issue. But, as we note, in in our reply brief extensively, those notwithstanding clauses are not as all-powerful as the government suggests they are. And what the case law, the the, the lower court case law, suggests is that you need to look, as we have done in our submission, at the the legislative history and the legislative motive surrounding both Acts, the previous Act and, and the subsequent Act. And here what you have And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I will repeat once again that the the, the problem here is for the government is that we have this very powerful anti-attachment provision with its express reference requirement. And the only place in these statutory materials where the express reference occurs is in the, the very act that includes the 10-year bar. And to accept the government's argument, you would have to uh, I- accept the notion that the, an express reference in an act can go beyond the, the authority that's granted by that very act.
0: Oh, no, I mean, you, it's, it probably comes up a lot. You have, you have an earlier act that, that imposes, suppose you have some Endangered Species Act. And at, at an earlier time, and it says all provisions of a certain kind will have this effect in respect to endangered species. And then you have some later acts, later acts, and in those later acts, uh, uh, there are certain things about how to treat certain animals and so forth. And and the question would be, well, does that earlier thing? Uh, had telling you how to treat an endangered species apply now to the animals in this later act insofar as they're endangered? And the answer would be, of course it does, yes. unless there's some special reason right. for thinking that it doesn't. And so what's the special reason well, here? You have an earlier act that says when you see those words, tenure limitations, forget them where student loans are in effect. Now we have a later act, and it has the word ten-year limitations, and you're giving some reasons why right. it is special and
1: special. Right, but I think that, that's, that's the nub of the case. Mm-hmm. Special yes, sure. reasons, but 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 I just, let, me, let me let me answer your question. I mean, they don't
0: have that big burden to show. They have to just no, show. I, storm. That, well, that, that's show where I, I
1: I think on these legislative materials they have quite a burden, and let, let me explain why. You're, you're the, the uh, Justice Breyer, the, the the hypothetical you posit. Uh, is one with, with which I, I can agree. We are not saying, and I don't want to be, be mistaken, that, that we are not saying that, that previous legislation can have effect on f- future events or even future legislation. We're not saying that at all. But, but the, the nub of our argument is this express reference requirement, and I think it's t- it, it, it seems very, very odd to us that when you have a statute that has an — where the express reference appears, and that has a 10-year bar on the authority but to Mr.
2: Wolfman, couldn't you say the question could be phrased in this way? Do we view the uh, uh, notwithstanding language in 1091A as uh, enacted in 1091 and governing the future or to review the 1996 amendment as, in effect, an amendment to that statute which, which reenacted the provisions that were already there. And if it's a reenactment in 1996, then it's just an exception from the 10 year bar. Right.
1: right. I, I think that, that is a fair characterization of one of our arguments here. Yeah. It's one of our arguments here is given the various indicia of intent, both in 91 and 96. That the 96 Act, with respect to a small sliver of collections, is effectively an amendment of the 91 Act. However, that is not our only, or even our principal submission. Our principal submission has to do with the powerful anti-attachment right. provisions. Yeah. Okay. And and again, the government's position, and I will rest after this, but I've repeated this already. But but the 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 government's position is in effect that you can use the anti-attachment provision and the express reference requirement in a statute to allow authority beyond that very statute. And we submit that that is, that is not uh, a permissible under Section 407. Unless the Court has further questions, I'll reserve the rest of my time.
0: Thank you, Mr. Wolfman. Ms. Black.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. In sweeping and unqualified language, the Higher Education Act provides that notwithstanding any other provision of law, no limitations as to time shall apply to the collection of student loan debt by offset. Therefore, notwithstanding the general 10-year limit that applies to the offset of all federal payments, including Social Security payments, no time limit applies. But it didn't
2: include social security payments when it was enacted.
5: That's right. In 1982, Congress authorized. Or
2: 1991, either one.
5: Right. In 1982, federal payments were subject to offset, such as federal grants or contracts or pension. And in 1991, Congress passed a law that said there's no, going to be no time limit for the government to collect student loan debt by offset. Therefore, there has always been a student loan exception to the government's ability to offset for only up to 10 years. So we can't offset federal pension payments or contract payments beyond 10 years unless it's for student loan.
3: Well, but then, but then, and you know, you know what's, what's coming. You, you, the, the provision you re, uh, rely on is 3116, and it's stuck in the middle of, this, of a provision which requires written notice. Um, Opportunity to inspect records and so forth, all those apply, but you have to say that uh, E doesn't apply.
5: Well, E is a limitations period, and it is a provision of law, and the Higher Education Act says, notwithstanding any other provision of law, there's no time limit for offsetting, uh, for collection by offset when it's to collect student loan debt. What happened in 1996 is Congress authorized Social Security benefits as another source of Federal payment, but it's critical to understand that Congress left completely undisturbed and intact that preexisting tenure limit and the preexisting student loan exception. But the- Mr. Wilkman
0: tells us, Ms. Black, that um, this clause is not quite as sweeping as you suggest the clause in the 1991 Act and points specifically to uh, provisions that say no other provision of law enacted before, on, or after. The pr- picture we're given of the 1991 Act is that up until 1991, whatever exists up until 1991, there's no time limitation, but that this 1991 statute does not speak to subsequently enacted statutes.
5: Yes, well, it is unqualified on its face, Justice Ginsburg. It doesn't say, notwithstanding any other provision of existing law, it says any law and it would be a rather bizarre and novel statute if Congress had to keep amending every time Congress redesignated a limitation provision, which is all that's happened here. Every time Congress had a limitation provision that changed from subsection E to A or was given a different section number, Congress would have to go back and say, I guess, reenact the Higher Education Act every time it amended a statute of limitations. But even if you think that it only applied to pre existing limitations period, this 10 year limit predated the Higher Education Act. It was passed in 1982 and ha- it has appeared in identical language since 1983. And nothing happened in 1996 to statutes of limitations. All that happened was that Congress, in essence, put Social Security benefits on par, equal footing with all other federal payments. And let me just say, imposing a 10-year limit would largely nullify Social Security offsets to collect student loan debt. The point that Justice Stevens made. Yes. Ninety percent of all student loan debtors who default do so before age 55, and therefore a 10-year time limit will have expired before the debtor reaches full retirement age at age 65. And it's relevant not so much what Congress was thinking in '91, but it's relevant for what Congress was thinking in 1996. In 1996, Congress made Social Security benefits subject to offset. And it's completely rational to think that Congress, of course, understood there would be a general 10-year limit that's always been applied to offsets of all Federal payments, including uh, the Federal contract payments or pension payments and now Social Security payments, But, yes, there's another provision of the U.S. Code that contains an express, and we think, extraordinary exception. It says time limits are intolerable when it comes to the collection of student loan debt. At the same time, Social Security recipients are protected from any undue burden. uh, If you are disabled under the Department's regulations, you can obtain a complete discharge, a total walk away from the debt, Forever, if you have a disability that prevents you from earning income, you also the amount of the uh, Social Security offset is limited to the lesser of 15% of the benefit payment or the amount by which the benefit payment exceeds $750. And any debtor can enter into a repayment agreement that will take their their total. Fa- those are
3: those are regulatory provisions, right?
5: The caps, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, are in the statute and further. Uh, Uh, limited by the regulations. But actually, the repayment agreements are mandated provisions under the Higher Education Act. It mandates the uh, Secretary of Education to allow debtors to uh, enter in repayment agreements that are contingent on their income and that will allow them to repay their debt under reasonable and affordable terms. That's also in the statute.
0: So so is is the statute uh, I saw something here that a person who's going to get this offset and he has Social Security, you exempt $9,000 of the Social Security and then you limit it to 15 percent of the remainder or whatever is reasonable, whichever is less?
5: It's, it's, the, lesser of, it's the lesser of the 15 percent or the amount by which the benefit payment exceeds 750 So in this case, when the original Social Security check was, I think, like $874, 15 mm-hmm. percent um, would have been a higher number. You have to leave the recipient with 750 so I think only $94 was taken out. And I may have my math a little off. But you, the, you give the uh, recipient the benefit. Now, the only thing that's in the regulations, Mr. Chief Justice, are the disability, um, that that is just a uh, – It's a walk away on the loan. Even if you win uh, the lottery the next day, if you can show that you can't work because of a disability, uh, the Secretary of Education will discharge your loan. Now, the, the, the principal argument on the other side is Section 207 of the Social Security Act. Now, that statute requires an explicit reference before Social Security benefits can be subject to a legal process. But it doesn't require an explicit reference when the only question is the statute of limitations that are applicable to a legal process that is already otherwise expressly authorized. The Debt Collection Act is the actual statute that authorizes the offset of Social Security benefits. The Higher Education Act just lifts limitations periods when there's another statute that establishes a collection mechanism. And the Debt Collection Act it contains the express reference. It provides in 3716 that we're making our clear statement we want Social Security benefits to be subject to offset. And like I said, it just it plugged the Social Security system into this pre-existing. It op- is,
2: It is true that the 1996 statute, which is the first time the express reference appears, does contain the 10-year statute by the indirect reference and does not expressly refer to the, say, the 1091A.
5: That's right. It, it makes the express reference to 207. And it has this general limitations period that applies to all offsets. But Justice Stevens does, and, it says,
3: and it says offsets under this section.
5: That's right. And that takes you down to the subsection E, which imposes a 10-year limit. But just as it is today, Congress certainly is free to say, from now on, Social Security benefits and all offsets will be subject to an 11-year limitations period. It doesn't have to expressly reference 207 to amend the Debt Collection Act. The Debt Collection Act is what's being, in effect, amended or an exception. And the Debt Collection Act doesn't contain its own express reference requirement before it can be amended. Congress didn't say we're forever binding ourselves or we want some different canon of interpretation here. And so you have a very extraordinary provision in the Higher Education Act that says, notwithstanding any other provision of law, there's not going to be a time limit to, to offset, in order to collect student loans. Yeah, I
0: think he's one argument that they're emphasizing anyway is that that you look at the Debt Collection Act and suppose it had said the following: Section 207 is amended or changed as follows. We refer specially now. We can collect through offset, but only for ten years. I mean, only to claims that are more than ten years old. So we are changing. What 207 says, four deaths under 10 years old, uh, and we can offset those. Now, suppose it had said that.
5: It would still, the express reference would be completely overtaken because it says the notwithstanding Section 207. It would authorize offset. And you'd
0: for, say it's the same.
5: For up to okay, 10 years. That's the
0: same. Let's imagine this statute. The statute says we bestow upon the Social Security Agency a very limited power, and it says this is the limited power, the Social Security Agency may, despite 207, uh, levy offsets on under-ten-year-old debts. That's what they say right in the Act.
5: Right. It would... And and
0: indeed, the whole point of it, it's entitled Limited Offset Ability, uh, parenthesis, all limited offsetability extending only to debts of less than 10 years, end parenthesis. That's the title of the Act, and then it says just what I say, repeating it.
5: Yeah, well, our position is that the Social Security Act only requires an express reference to create authorization to offset. But you're not going
0: to treat and, that one the same. You see, what they're saying here is they want to say that what I've just said is what Congress wrote in this Act. And, and uh, i right. making it harder and harder for you to, to, to accept that uh, saying. Yeah,
5: well, our, our fundamental position, I'll be clear on this, is that the Higher Education Act applies unless it's been repealed. And there's just nothing in the Higher Education Act that comes close to repealing, um, excuse me, the Debt Collection Act that comes close to repealing the Higher Education Act because it doesn't address the subject of student loans. It just speaks to the ability to offset Social Security benefits as well as all other Federal payments uh, that have been subject to offset.
2: Ms. Blatt, can I ask, uh, there's no discussion legislative history in the uh, briefs that I, that I recall. Is it true that the, the people voting on the bill in 1996 had nothing but the amendment before them? Did they have a committee report on explaining that it still applied, to the, that, the, that the notwithstanding clause on 1091A would still be in effect?
5: No, I know of no statement to that effect, but I know of no statement on any discussion about limitations period. There's no discussion of the 10-year limit either. It
2: seems to me that conceivably a legislator looking at the bill all by itself, not getting out the earlier provisions of the Code, might well think, well, this includes a 10-year limit.
5: Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Maybe they knew that a court would actually apply the U.S. Code as written and just because it, the limitations per period was in one section. But now here where I think the policy does come into play, a legislature would think that a 10-year limit would, would never come in to offset Social Security benefits on student loan except in a rare case of, a, of an old debtor who and also defaults uh, close in time to age 65. And like I said, 90 percent of all the uh, student loan defaults are by debtors who are under age 55. And over about 83 or 84 percent of all Social Security payments are under the retirement system, not the disability system. And if a person is disabled, there's no reason to think that they can't get a discharge of that loan. So all we're talking about is basically rendering a dead letter Social Security offsets to collect student loan debt. If petitioners... uh, uh, position were to prevail
0: why? why can he get a discharge if he's disabled?
5: Uh, you can get a discharge of your loan if you have a disability of indefinite duration that prevents you from working mm. and the rationale is sort of a change circumstances rationale if you took out a loan you signed a promissory note you, you intend to pay it back. But if you later become disabled and that disability is going to prevent you from ever working, uh, they'll discharge it. Now, about 30 percent of all people who do apply for this disability discharge do get it, and about 80 percent get a conditional discharge, which gives them them a three-year grace period. And the only difference between – I mean, there are some small differences, but the main difference between a Social Security disability determination and an Education Department disability determination is the Department of Education – wants you to be disabled of an indefinite dura- duration and not just 12 months, because it's a complete and total walk away from the loan. And Social Security will actually do a look back after 12 months, um, but education will never go back and ask for the money once they've discharged it. It's a permanent discharge.
2: Ms. Blatt, it was this statute, I'm just really kind of curious, that something this important, we're first uh, putting this burden on Social Security, Ben, it's a fairly important change. Was this part of one of these omnibus bills that covered 99 different subjects at once?
5: Yes, I I remember trying to find it on Westlaw. It's like 3,000 pages. It's huge, and it covers many, many different subjects. And they did
2: not have a separate committee proceeding on each separate part of that, that monster that, bill, is there?
5: That I don't recall, but I can say the overall thrust, and it's in their statement of purpose, was to improve the government's debt collection yeah. efforts. And what it did was for the first time, this was a very significant development, establish a centralized <laughs> offset. Before 1996, there was no ability to cross-check a debt from one agency to a payment to another agency such that one department had no idea what another department was doing. And now it is a massive program uh, involving over uh, $1 trillion of federal payables, $255 billion of certified debt, and uh, $33 billion of that is, is education loan debt. And so that it was just a, an enormous undertaking to start that in 1996. And one of the things that Congress did in setting up this massive program was made Social Security benefits part of the offset program. There's about 480 or 490 billion dollars in Social Security benefits, so which, it was a huge source of revenue, although the Congress obviously limited it substantially with, with the cash. <coughs> and if there are no further questions, we would ask that the Court of Appeals' judgment be affirmed.
0: Thank you, Ms. Black. Uh,
1: Mr. Wolfman, you have three and a half minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. Um, I want to address uh, first uh, a point that the government makes that — and it's about Section 207 of the Social Security Act, the anti-attachment provision. Uh, Opposing counsel says that it it doesn't really matter uh, uh, that the 10-year bar uh, was not addressed in 1996 because all that's necessary — under the express reference provision, is to refer to the law in general that it doesn't apply to limitations periods, but that that simply cannot be the case here because, again, the statute that we are talking about, the Debt Collection Improvement Act and the Debt Collection Act before it, is a bar on the authority of the government to collect after after 10 years. And let me pick up on the language that Justice Kennedy uh, appointed to from the Debt Collection Act. It says in the very subsection in which Social Security first was put on the radar screen, was first dealt with, C3AI, it says that you can now go after Social Security benefits because they are subject to, subject to offset under this section, meaning 3716. Then if you turn to another subsection of that section, it says, and this is the 10-year bar, this section, quote, does not apply, end quote, to a claim under this subchapter that has been outstanding for more than 10 years. Now, I don't see any reason to say that 207, the requirement of an express reference, is sort of Uh, a halfway requirement. In other words, you only have to refer to Social Security benefits. We don't care what the extent of that authority is in the very section that that you use that express reference. Here, the entire authority is circumscribed by the 10-year bar. That is our essential submission. I have one other point, which is that that because there was a number of questions on it, we we think it doesn't go to the congressional intent here, but I do want to clarify it. There is a substantial difference between being disabled and being eligible to get the discharge. The discharge requires permanent disability. Forever, you cannot — you are not capable of working. In Social Security law, you have to be incapable of working for a period of 12 months. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. The case is submitted.